Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Cooperative. This great Thursday morning, we're going to talk about co-ops and the National Cooperative Bank. You know, it's raining outside, but we need rain to grow our, our plants and our fruits and our vegetables, so we're thankful for the rain this morning. It is a little chilly, though. Mr. Hoseclaw is our guest today. John Hoseclaw is the NCB's first Senior Vice President of Corporate Affairs, and he's in here this morning, a nice young man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Oaks. Uh, good morning, John. Good morning, sir. How are you doing today? I am great. I'm great. Uh, my father is Mr. Oaks. I'm Vernon. <laughs> well, you know, I have a southern upbringing, Mr. Oaks, and, and my mother and father would be very angry if I did not uh, show respect. But for the sake of this show, I will call you Vernon. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, how long have you been with the bank? I have been with the bank for a little over a year now, um, but I spent the prior 13 years of my professional career at the at Capital Impact Partners, which is the strategic ally of uh, the National Cooperative Bank. And so if you think about it, and the way that I like to phrase it is that I've been in the enterprise for 14 years because along the way in my prior position, I got an opportunity to work with the bank. So. I'll say 14 years total, but one year NCB. NCB, one year. Yes. Well, glad to have you on this morning. Thanks for coming into the studio to talk to us about the bank. You know, one of the things I want to talk to you about real quick, NCB's mission is to help cooperatives grow by supporting and being an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, placing special emphasis on serving the needs of communities that are economically challenged. And I talk about this almost every show because – when I took banking in the, my MBA program, right. what I had learned was the banks only look for one thing. Okay. No, they look for three things. I'm sorry. They want to know how they can get their money back. They want to know how they can get their money back. And they want to know how they can get their money back. Those are three <laughs> things that they look for. And normally they don't, they don't make loans in economically challenged communities. They look for people that already have collateral, either cash or real estate or a business so that they know they can get their money back mm-hmm. if something happens and they can't cash flow. So how does how does the bank do that? How do they make loans in economically challenged communities? Well, let me go back just a little bit and say that today is co-op month. And so thank you for having us on. I think it's important for um, everyone to know um, how important co-ops are. But the National Cooperative Bank is not your typical financial institution. I had a colleague last week say to me or say to someone in in a conference that we were at that the National Cooperative Bank or NCB is a mission-driven financial institution or or a socially responsible financial institution. And so, you know, it was congressionally chartered in 1978 and privatized in 81, but as a part of that charter, there is a piece in there that states that 35% of all of our total disbursements, we must make our best efforts to 
lend that money in low and moderate income communities. And so it's not just something that um, is chartered. It's something that over the course of years has become a part of the DNA of the organization. And uh, thank you for the three points that you make, uh, <laughs> not, not in any particular order. But and while that is still very important to any financial institution, NCB included, um, we do try to work with socially responsible enterprises in local areas, community-based organizations, community development financial institutions, and whatnot to meet that 35% best efforts. And so we're not just approving all loans, but we're still very smart about what we do in regards to our credit processes and whatnot. But we feel like we want to help communities. Uh, we, we use a, a, a saying inside uh, the organization, and it also I think is on the outside of our impact report, is that working together, building community. And I think that's very important to us as an organization. So when you say how do we do it, it's just a part of who we are and uh, something that we've always done as an organization. So I don't think anyone bats an eye uh, at that, albeit to your three points. Okay. So you you have to make sure you get your money back or you can't survive. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. and, a, and a business can't survive if it doesn't make a profit or have surpluses. Mm-hmm. You've got to have that to, to fuel growth mm-hmm. and to pay your employees mm-hmm. by desk, computers, and all of that right. stuff. So you have to have a surplus. You have to make my every nonprofit or for-profit company has to do that. But you have a your mission-driven bank. Your mm-hmm. mission is to help build communities. So mm-hmm. you go into low-income communities, or somebody said it in a nice way one day on a com- they don't they didn't call it low-income, diverse communities. Huh? It was, was a it, nice. Was it distressed communities? Was that the that, terminology? I've heard that one also, but no, it was something else that I like better. I'll catch it because I like that phrase a lot better. Gave dignity to low-income communities mm-hmm. gotcha. or distressed communities. Uh, so that is your mission, and thirty-five percent of your loans by your charter by has has to go into it, make best efforts mm-hmm. to do that. Now, I said one time that what you do, at least what I would think you would do or what I would do, is not only do you look at collateral, but you really look at the people mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to get some sense of either their integrity or the, the integrity in order to do what they said they're going to do right. and integrity that they will pay back the loan. Right. Well, Vernon, a big part of that, obviously, is finding uh, good partners on the ground. And it's not just about meeting them and, and taking them through the process and then lending them the money. I mean, I think for us, it's it's more of a partnership. That's the way I see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that when you go out and you find great partners, I mean, for example, uh, one of the the folks we've had a chance to work with over the course of years has been Amalgamated Houses in uh, the Bronx in New York. And you're, you're talking about essentially, you know, one of the, the oldest limited equity cooperatives in New York City, you know, possibly even in the country, founded in the the early 1900s. And so, you know, you you don't talk to a group like that and establish great relationships without knowing who they are as a a co-op or who they are as an enterprise or in them not knowing who we are as a financial institution. And so you kind of walk that walk together um, with them. And, you know, because in in, in situations like that, I think at its core is what we try to to do on on all different levels. And, And don't get me wrong, I mean, we don't just do work in the low and moderate income communities. We also do uh, work in, in others as well. But, you know, essentially as it relates to my role within the bank, it's, it's one of the things that I'm, I'm probably um, 
the most proud of uh, in, in, in the area that I focus with working with the specialty finance team there at uh, NCB. So what is it that you do at the bank? So in a nutshell, um, as a SVP of Corporate Affairs. Um, SV, Senior Vice President. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, acronym. Okay. Senior Vice President. It's a, I, I kind of uh, joke with my boss sometimes that it's a hybrid position um, from the standpoint of all the different things uh, that I get to do. You know, For years, obviously, we've worked with Capital Impact Partners, who is, by the way, a certified community development financial institution, um, or CDFI, uh, for years. And so as a part of, of us working to, to meet that mission of best efforts of 35%, you know, they've been a strong ally of us um, throughout the course of years. But as time has, go- has gone on, obviously we, we, we're looking now to reach out to other community development financial institutions or community-based organizations to further that mission. And so I was brought on after um, 13 years there to leverage those relationships as well as take my own knowledge of community development um, into the field to introduce them to the National Cooperative Bank. You know, we did $270 million last year uh, in low and moderate income communities, and, and I think a lot of community development financial institutions aren't aware of that. And so uh, when we approach them and look to partner and, and, and look to find opportunities to work together, that's Number one, a big part of my job. I got to stop you a minute, John. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You you just passed by that so quickly. You did two hundred and seventy million dollars. It may be two sixty nine. So oh, we'll, oh, I'm, 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 I'm just getting nearly two seventy. Two hundred and seventy million. I'm yes. rounded. Okay. Mm-hmm. Million dollars yes. in low and moderate income communities last year to meet that to, to work towards that best efforts of thirty five percent. Two hundred and seventy, and that's in loans and mm-hmm. okay, two hundred and seventy million dollars. Yes, neat. All right. Well, I mean, like I said again, it's it's a part of the DNA of the organization, and we're talking about, you know, those are loans working with Native Alaskan corporations and organizations. That's you know, uh, community on housing. That's uh, retailed on grocery stores and uh, or food co-ops as we call them. Those are small business cooperatives. You know, or even working with uh, consumer-owned credit unions. We were, uh, my colleague and I were at the National Federation of Community Development Credit Unions uh, and Credit Union National Association Conference last week in Phoenix. You know, credit unions are a cooperative. A lot of folks don't 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 know that, but uh, and, and many folks who are members of credit unions don't know that. And so, again, those are just some of the uh, types of things that we we have done to meet that two hundred and seventy million dollar best efforts goal of last year. I want to read a statement off of the NCB story. If you really want to know about NCB, please go to their website. That's ncb.coop, ncb.coop. And you can find out about them. If you click on the NCB story, you'll see that NCB's customers are cooperatives such as grocery, wholesale co-ops. We also call them food co-ops, purchasing co-ops or housing co-ops. Others share in the spirit of cooperation driven by the democratic organizing principles. They may be Alaskan or Native American enterprises, which by their very nature are member-run and member-owned. Others may be community health centers or charter schools driven entirely by community needs. What they all have in common is a single fundamental principle. They have joined together cooperatively to meet personal, social, and or business needs. And I have had several people on the program say that if there's not a community problem, there's no need for a co-op. Co-ops are formed to solve community problems, whether that's jobs, 
or the Federation of Southern Co-ops was formed in the in the 60s to, because when people started to go out to get votes, then some of the they couldn't buy gas. They would they were not the farmers were not sold gas, and so they started a co-op so they could go pool their resources and get a truck and then go across the border, the state right. lines, and buy gas and come back. I had a lady on Harriet May that talked to for financial institutions. It's a billion dollar uh, credit union that five people started by putting five dollars each in in the thirties or forties. I I don't remember what year, but five men put five dollars each, twenty five dollars. They pooled their resources, pooled their talents, Mm -hmm. and they started a credit union now that is a billion dollars worth of assets. Mm -hmm. So people coming together, starting co-ops to solve community needs. And we're going to have to take a break, uh, John. So we're going to come back and talk about some of, if you would, some of the examples of the things that you've spent this 270, or loaned $270 million in. If we could get some examples so people, the whole idea for this program, the reason your boss, Chuck Snyder, helped to, to, to got like the idea of this is so we want to teach people about co-ops and the benefits of them and how you start them so that people can get this information and create their own financial wealth. And they can not only get this information, get financial wealth, but they can get social wealth. Uh, we'll come back and talk about all of that. But I'd like to come back and talk about some examples. Right now, we're going to take a break for news and the weather and the traffic. Uh, and the people out there trying to drive in this rain. A lot of Washingtonians can't do that. But we'll be, we'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. We're going to give you some more information about the benefits of cooperatives. Updates on the web at WOLDCnews.com. You know, this is why WOL makes a great, great, great sponsor. This is Vernon Oaks with Everything Cooperative this Thursday morning because their motto is information is power. And what we've learned on this program in past is that if you take energy and put to the information, if you take action, then that's where the power comes from. It's not only getting the information, but it's taking some action. So what I have found out, the reason that I love this co-op model is because that's a way to me, John, that, uh, well, let me just say it this way. I, I turn 68 next week. Okay. Still can't, still can't believe that. 68 next week. And at, as a teenager, I never believed that anybody was going to give me 40 acres in a meal. I just didn't buy it. Didn't buy it. No. But this co-op model, I mean, I, I saw the capitalistic model, and I wanted to make money. That's why I went and got an MBA and all of that, because I knew money drives our system, our right. economic system. But it wasn't any any way that the masses can create wealth until I found out about this 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 cooperative business model, and that's why I like it so much. So can you give me some examples of how this co-op model works? Because I want to give people information. Right. So if they want to go out and start a co-op, if get three, four, five people together, get data, get information, and then figure out how they can get some resources. I'd be glad to. And, and you know, again, the story that I'm going to tell you, it, it really hits home for me um, because it happens in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is where I happened to uh, go to college, uh, North Carolina A&T State there as well. So you graduated from A&T? Aggie Pride, sir. Yes, okay. Aggie Pride Worldwide. Um, I did graduate from A&T, and, and my wife actually went to Bennett College, so uh, I didn't go too far 
across market to find her. But with that said, there is a, a, a portion of Greensboro called uh, Northeast Greensboro, Phillips Avenue, where there was a group of citizens. There was a, a, a Kroger there that, uh, or a food store there that had been doing very well financially. And it ended up for, you know, I think the, the residents are still trying to figure out why. It ended up closing its door because they were really uh, redistributing where the stores were or relocating them across the, the, the southeast. And so when that grocery store left, there was literally nowhere for these residents to shop, uh, to go find healthy foods, to have access to healthy foods. And they call it a food desert. That's it. But per the US, USDA, uh, it, it definitely was a food desert. And I, and I stand corrected. It wasn't a Kroger. It was a Winn-Dixie, which is, if you're from the south, you definitely know uh, what a Winn-Dixie is. But what happened was, you know, uh, five years went by, Ten years went by and nothing went into this uh, space. And there was a, a beautiful library built across the parking lot by the city, as well as I think there was a, a small department store there. But again, nowhere for uh, anyone to buy healthy foods. And so what happened, the community came together. And this is a, a perfect example of um, not only uh, if you look at the cooperative principles, concern for community, but voluntary and open membership and democratic control, the community came together uh, working with uh, the Self-Help Credit Union, which is a certified uh, community development financial institution in North Carolina, uh, and some others to form what's called the Renaissance uh, Cooperative or the Renaissance Co-op. And so basically it's a perfect example of you know each member giving $5 to make this cooperative come to fruition. NCB itself did not necessarily have a uh, loan to these guys, but we did work with another certified uh, community development financial institution, North Country, to try to make this thing happen. And so it has been a, a labor of love for me because I've had the pleasure of not only working for NCB, but also sitting on the board of self-help's venture fund, which is a nonprofit portion of that credit union. And so they have advocated very hard for the Greensboro City Council to give them some startup money for this project. And so, you know, I always tell Chuck that I'm a reform political junkie, and he laughs at that and says, trust me, you're, you're, you're not a reform yet. Okay. But that, by nature, is where I, came, where I started in my career. So for me, it was an opportunity to see you know, there's a great quote that, you know, democracy is not a spectator sport, so you can't stand to the side. And you had these citizens who all they wanted was fresh vegetables and meats in their community and didn't want to have to get on a bus or take a cab or have someone take them to the nearest store who went before the city council, including the mayor and others, and advocated on behalf of their community. Uh, and they were able to secure, I think, $250,000 from the city. And in a tight budgetary environment is 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 pretty, pretty big when you start thinking about municipalities and whatnot. And so they just had the groundbreaking um, over the summer, and I was definitely honored to be there. And so there's a little bit more way to go in regards to getting the store up and running. But, again, it's a perfect example of a cooperative filling the need of a community and, and, and hitting on so many of those principles. And so, again, um, that's a, uh, probably the most current example in, in my mind. I mean, there obviously are, are a few others. Well, I want to go back. I want to okay. make sure I get this one. Is that the community need is, one, there's a food desert, so you can't get fresh 
fruits and vegetables. Right. There might be a 7-Eleven or a convenience store around in the area, but not somewhere you can go get kale and collard greens and tomatoes. No. Okay. So, so there's an empty, there's a, there's this, there's this desert. Okay. Now, but I would also imagine how many, what's the, the, the makeup, the demographics of this community? The demographics of the community in Northeast Greensboro, uh, North Carolina, are uh, predominantly African American. Um, you do have some Latino residents, but predominantly black African, or brown, black or brown, black and or brown. Oh, black and or brown. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, black and or brown there, uh, and so again, you know, this when Dixie just pulls up and leaves, the Bessemer Center is basically left without its anchor. And so I'll, I'll say this to you: in one part that I did leave out is that since that. Uh, groundbreaking. There have been agreements by the Greensboro Police Department to have a satellite office there. There's been a uh, renewal of the contract of the small uh, department store there. They have been in consultation with uh, a health center in regards to to them coming there. Uh, And so they've changed the name of the Bessemer Center to now it's the Renaissance Community Co-op. And so every day when you ride past or go down Phillips Avenue in Greensboro, North Carolina, you're going to see Renaissance Community Co-op. And so I can't wait until the store opens uh, and and this community is able again to have access to healthy foods. And so uh, it's just, to me, a great story, but one that also captures the whole essence of what a cooperative can do to trans I'm going to use the word transform a community uh, to make it a better place for its residents. Information is power. You guys, that's WL's motto. And we're trying to give you some information so that if you have a community issue, a community problem, one is there's a food desert. Uh, I think sometimes Southeast DC might have a food desert over there, but there's also, you can create jobs. Yes. How many jobs do you know that? How many uh, jobs do they have? I think I think it's going to create twenty to thirty jobs. Okay. There. Now let me ask you this question. Yes, sir. I'm going to give you a definition. The folks out there, you've heard this definition before. Of what is a co-op? And so I'm going to ask you what type of co-op this is. But let me give you the definition first. A co-op can be any business that you can think of. Any business that I can think of could be co-op. It, the difference comes in who owns the business and who controls the business. So. In most cases, if the business is owned by the employees, it is called a worker cooperative. Mm-hmm. If it's owned and controlled by the, empl- uh, by the employees, if the business is owned and controlled by the people that use the products or services, it's called a consumer co-op. Those people, and, and you mentioned credit unions already, mm-hmm. housing co-ops could be an example. I, I had on the show a, a lady that talked about a health clinic in Madison, Wisconsin, a health clinic that was owned by the patients, the people that went there. Now that's phenomenal. If you, if you say, so if it's a consumer co-op, the focus is on the consumer. That's why credit unions, you can get better product. You can get better loans and credit unions and all, and, and then you possibly can at banks. But in this, in this health clinic, you, they are patient focused, not profit focused, mm-hmm. not doctor focused. They're patient focused. What's best for the patient? So there's a lot of great ideas that came out of it. So is this co-op going to be a worker-owned co-op where the workers, those 20, 30 people, are going to own it? Or is it going to be a consumer co-op or some hybrid? I think it may be a hybrid. I think there, there, I think there may be some folks that work there um, that may be you know, a part of the, uh, the charter or the original membership of the co-op. But I would say, Vernon, that it more than likely would be a consumer co- cooperative because I think that 
there's going to have to be a lot of education to increase the membership of folks in the community who don't know uh, or have no understanding of cooperatives. But at the same time, they're going to know that there's a grocery store right down the street that I can go and, and, and get access to those healthy foods. But I would say, uh, by and large, that it would more than likely be a consumer cooperative. I was going to tell you one more also. And uh, having a, a nine-year-old son, uh, and, and and anyone who knows how fantastic, thank you, runs me around like crazy. But anyone who knows how high the cost of childcare can be here in uh, the the greater DC metropolitan area, uh, you're starting to see the start of childcare cooperatives, where the parents who um, whose children are in the actual childcare they they band together to form those those cooperatives. So you're seeing a lot more of those. In the area as well as across the country, I've heard of a lot of folks who have started their own child care cooperative in order to keep the cost down mm-hmm. uh, and have a little bit more control over uh, the, the the center or the, the curriculum, the food, yep. mm-hmm. everything. You have everything. a lot more control. We've got to take another break, yes, partner, and we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about the principles of co-ops, and we'll get a couple other examples of, of co-ops and how they work and how they help solve community problems, create wealth, and and also social wealth. We'll be right back and talk a little bit more about that. And we're going to take this break to get the weather, the traffic, and the news. Right back. News updates on the web at WOLDCnews.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks talking to you about cooperatives and the benefits and the values of co-ops and why they can help a community uh, stabilize, uh, create wealth. And John Hoslaw is our guest this morning. He is a senior vice president of National Cooperative Bank. He's been there for a year, but he's been in their enterprise for 14 years. Nice young man from North Carolina, went to A&T. I'll say I'm glad I got the uh, Aggie Pride out before the Howard Homecoming commercial came on there. Okay. I wanted to make sure okay. that, I'm, that I'm representing, but I'm glad I did that. <laughs> okay. Uh, you might get some, some pushback up in uh, here. I, I might. I might. Okay. But there are seven principles of the modern cooperative. Co-ops go back from this sort of the, the, the tribes in Western Africa. We've had people from Southern Africa, Paraguay, Peru, they go back 1400s, way back, but the, the main seven principles, uh, five of the seven were adopted in 1844 in England. And the first one is of the seven that we have now is volunteer. It's open membership. And I like that from day one because it doesn't make any difference about race or class or gender or uh, religion or anything. It's, that it's open to everybody. Dame Pauline Green from the International Cooperative Alliance, John, was on a program, and she's talked about how they've had, um, you know, Muslims and Jews and Christians right. and on, on there and folks from the communist bloc. I was surprised when I went to the uh, in 11, 2011, when the, the UN year, had. International Year of Co-op. Yeah, the U- UN had said that 2012 was International Year of the Co-op, and at the UN around November of 2011, October or November, right. that all of the different people from around the world. Yeah, it's it's, it's international. Uh, I think people think that it's it's something that only occurs here in America, but it's international. You, like you said, Africa, and that was a that was a big year. I really was so 
proud that 2012 was that year in the national year of the co-op. You know, it, at the time, uh, the bank as well as Capital Impact Partners, we you know were very proud to be able to go to various events and be represented and whatnot. It, it really uh, brought, I think, you know, I, I'm a big believer that any amount of education that you can uh, do as it relates to co-op. I have a really good friend, uh, David, who said to me, first of all, he said to me, man, wh- first of all, what do you do? Mm-hmm. He, he didn't really understand uh, what I did. And then second of all, he said, what is a co-op? Yep. So, you know, what's the saying? Reach one, teach one. So I definitely wanted to take an opportunity to to tell him what it was and not knowing that he had been going to for years uh, a Weaver Street uh, market there in North Carolina uh, and was a member. He just thought as a member, you just got some kind of discount, discount. or something like that or another. He didn't realize that he was actually contributing to the cooperative. But, uh, you know, again, every opportunity that we can get, and I applaud you, obviously, for having this show, and we're very proud of our support of it, about educating not just in America but the international scope and realm as it relates to cooperatives. So the first one is volunteer and open membership, and, and thank you for being here, John. And the second one is democratic member control. And living in a democracy, I like this one so much because it says, but the reason I like it is it's one member, one vote. That's what I like so much right. about it. In our democratic society right now in the greater U.S. is the more money you have, the more control you can have because you can, quote, unquote, buy politicians. So but, you get. But, but they'll say that's the exercise of free speech. That's what. That's what they say that that's is. What, that's what they say. They say that money is free speech. That's what, they, well, that's what I, they say. I, okay. Right. I may not agree, but that's what they say. <laughs> okay. I like this democratic member control and co-ops. One member, one vote. Doesn't make any difference how much money you got. Right. So you everybody have the same amount of influence. Uh, the, the member economic participation, you've talked about that a little bit mm-hmm. so far, that in most cases in co-ops you have to buy in, and that could be the $5 to be the membership in a Renaissance uh, food cooperative in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. Okay. On Watkins Street, uh, Phillips Avenue. Phillips, Phillips Avenue. Avenue. Okay, North I want to get there. I'm gonna get North there. North Carolina. So, economic member participation, and I mentioned Dame Pauline Green when I was going through these with her. She said, "Wait, Vernon, wait, wait. There's a you get it. You have to put some money in, but you have the potential of getting some money back. Right. Okay. Right. And that that I like a lot, and I knew that, but I I wasn't talking about that. And that is that if there's surplus, if there's profit, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, then the board of directors. And with this one member, one vote, they elect the members elect a board and the board carries it out. But they have a, a chance, a choice sometimes if there are surpluses where the members to create the policy of how that distribution will happen. Mm-hmm. Well, and, this is a great, a great segue, actually. Um, what folks don't also realize is that the National Cooperative Bank itself is a cooperative and we are are owned by our 2,900 plus members. Um, and so just. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the, uh, we paid what's called a, a patronage refund, uh, and and you know I, I said it pays definitely to be in a cooperative. And so basically, what we did was, we uh, you know probably I think the patronage refund was about five million dollars that went to about eighteen hundred and seventy four of our cooperative shareholders. And so you know if we have and had a good year last year, then we passed that uh, on to our cooperative members. And uh, I, I I don't know if if you're on Twitter, uh, Vernon, but I'm a, a big uh, on Twitter. And so the first thing that I wrote when I put that, sent that out after it came from uh, at Co-op Banking, which is a Twitter handle for the bank, I put, it pays to join a co-op. And so 
there again, it's a, literally pays. Literally pays. Literally pays <laughs> to, to pays to join a, a co-op. I, I also shop at REI, the outdoor store, a lot for my son. And uh, R A I R E I R E I. Okay. And 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 you you buy into to join as a member of REI, and the money that you spend throughout the year, you get a percentage back every year, and so. That percentage for me always seems to to fall right around back to school time, uh, okay, and, 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 and it's contributed back into uh, the back to school for my my nine year old. Well, my day job, John, is I'm a property manager, and how I learned about co ops was I started managing housing co ops, mm-hmm. and in National Co op Bank, I think there's three of the properties I manage, or four have NCB loans, right, and so. We got that check back. Right. <laughs> okay. I know. I know. And, and, and the board was very pleased with it. Right. Uh, and it, it just depends. Now, we've gotten bigger checks in the past. Right. Sometimes when the bank was in the 08, there was no check because they didn't make a surplus. Right. We understand that. But one year, when we got the check back, tells you how big the check was, the board decided to give that money to the members. Wow. It's a 57-member cooperative. Wow. A housing co-op. And so each member got back around Christmas time because the check came in in October around Christmas time. They basically got back equivalent of one month's rent, one month's carrying charge, one month co-op fee. So had excess dollars. Now I asked them every year, do you want to do it again? They said, we'll, we'll do it when NCP. When NCB pays the patronage, we'll do it. We'll do it again. And I'm sure uh, that money was timely uh, around the holiday time for sure. So this member economic participation goes is just something that you pay in and you can get something back. The fourth one is autonomy and independence. And this gets to be extremely big because the, the co-op board, the co-op members have to have control, have to make decisions. Now, sometimes the, the docs, the NCB docs or the DHCD, Department of Housing and Community Development of the district or HUD, the Department of Housing and Urban Development for the Fed. Sometimes they'll have things in the documents, in the loan docs, that would tell them what they can or cannot do. Okay, so that, that to me, I tell them that's the, the biggest investor a lot of times is who loans the, that money. But um, the, the government can't tell you what to do, other, other than the laws of the land, the fair housing laws and stuff like that. But the board have to have the independence to make decisions based on those laws of the land. And the fifth one was my the favorite one I would have attracted me to co-ops and that's education, training, and information. Information is power. WOL says, and I agree with it, but, and then educating and training people how to use that information, uh, how to run the business of whatever the cooperative is in the case of housing co-ops or whatever other co-op. The sixth one is cooperation among co-ops. And we're going to talk some more about that with some of the examples. And you've already used the, You've got NCB working with North Country, working with the credit union, mm-hmm. uh, working with the members of the uh, the Renaissance Community Co-op, the members, the right. thousand plus members there working with them. I was going to ask you, the, the thousand plus? Thousand members, thousand members. And, and, and again, that was- Five dollars each. Blood, blood, sweat, and tears uh, in a lot of ways to, to get those memberships. But again, you probably had to go back to the education about, well, what am I- what am I giving this for? Or yeah. what am I doing this for? And um, what is the co-op? As well. So, you know, How there are a lot of, the, there's an intersection of a lot of the various principles that you have there, but uh, a thousand members, a thousand members. And so it, it, it's almost as if they didn't have that street cred until they had those thousand members. But once they, they got it, um, the goal now is to continue to increase that. Membership. They didn't have the street 
credit? Uh, is that what you? I, 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 I meant street credibility. I mean, credibility. It's, it's, it's okay. Almost, you say credit. It's almost okay. as if it's almost as if you know. Well, how many? First question that the city council asked was, "Well, how many members do you have?" Okay. You know, that was a consistent question from the council, and so when they made that thousand, then I think the council was very impressed. Okay, and that's also voting power. Okay, um, c- concern for community. Yeah, you political junkie. <laughs> Concern for community. That's my, that's my favorite principle. It's the seventh principle. That's your favorite. I, I, I mean, they're all very important. But yeah. I think for me, my 13 years at Capital Impact Partners, I think what came out of that was my, my love for community economic development or my love for community development. That's why the work that I do now is so, so important to me personally because I think um, having seen what impact an organization like – like NCB can have in these communities is, I think, for me, one of the one of the greatest greatest joys that I have. When you, like I said, when you see this housing limited equity cooperative housing unit, uh, I remember one time back during my government relation days, we had closed on some limited equity co-ops, and for for people who don't know, um, there, you know, you come into the cooperative with the whole the, the whole piece about it is that you don't you don't leave with much equity. Obviously you buy a house, some people may sell it, they may make fifty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars, but in a limited equity co op, all of the equity stays within the co op. And so when you leave, let's say if you have twenty five hundred going in, you may have twenty five hundred dollars going out. And so we did some of these in uh, New York City, and I had sent a little uh, the news release out to several members of the New York State delegation, you know, something that I often did with uh, various congressional delegations. And I never forget the district director for a New York delegation congresswoman called me back and said, a three-bedroom co-op or three-bedroom house in Brooklyn for $800 a month? And I was like, yes, ma'am. And she said, in Brooklyn? Uh, I'll never forget that. But but there again, another opportunity to educate her about what a cooperative is and the role that it played in the congresswoman's community there. So, Just, just real quickly, uh, I usually ask this question at the end, but I'm going to ask you now. Do you like what you do? I love what I do. I think I'm. You have I'm, trouble getting up in the morning going to work? No, not at all. <laughs> I think, first of all, I'm, I'm very fortunate. And I have been throughout my professional career, but I think I'm very fortunate uh, to work um, at an organization that, number one, does have that DNA as it relates to, to work, working in low and moderate income communities or just working together, building communities, number one. And then, number two, working with uh, an outstanding group of, of people and, and, and ones that believe in you and you believe in them. I'm definitely proud um, that the National Cooperative Bank for the last two years um, has made the, the Washington Post uh, best places to work uh, list. And I, that's, that's, that's no easy task. And, and if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think that survey is generated by the employees. And so if you give somebody an anonymous opportunity to express themselves, they will. And I think that shows a lot about it as an organization. And not only that, uh, and while it may not be represented by me, we also have won back-to-back awards on being one of the healthiest places to work. I'm still working on that okay. uh, healthy piece. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, physical health, you're talking physical about health, physical health. Okay, but but I, but I do enjoy what I do. It's a I enjoy the fact that it's a a brand new position. I enjoy the fact that I get a chance to work with the specialty finance team. I do. All right, baby, we're going to take another break. We only have one more segment to go. The hour goes by very quickly. We'll come back and talk more about co-ops and the benefits of co-ops. This is Everything Co-op. Please don't touch that dial. News updates on the web at woldcnews.com.
Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. This is Everything Cooperative. We're giving you the benefits of co-op business model and how it works and how it sustains communities and helps solve community problems, build uh, economic wealth within the community and social wealth. You know, it's also environmental wealth, environmental sustainability. John, you've given us a couple examples of Amalgamated, which is a 1,500-unit co-op in the Bronx. Yes. And there's also a, that's a limited equity co-op. Yes. But there's a 1,600 unit co-op here in Greenbelt, Maryland. It's called Greenbelt Homes. It was built in the 30s and the 40s. It's not limited equity. It's a market rate. Market rate. But it's still good value. It's really, really good value. And I think one of the reasons it's good value is because people don't understand co-ops. Mm-hmm. So if it was a condo, it would be much higher, much more expensive, except for the Watergate as a co-op. Yep. And mm-hmm. most people don't know that, but they, they pay big bucks for the Watergate. So there are some co-ops around that are that are very very expensive co-ops. And I have a I have a former uh, grad school classmate who lives over in the U Street corridor in uh, the Ella Joe Ella Joe Baker cooperatives over there. And I know when she told me when we were in grad school what she paid for her two bedroom. There's no way in the world that anyone who lives in that area over there now um, and how it's changed could ever live for what she uh, paid or pays for her two-bedroom place there right behind U Street, you know, over there. On, I think she's on university. But, you know, again, it's it's just another example of, of how she as a single female is able to live in a place that uh, would cost anybody else an extraordinary amount of money. So, Well, Ella Jo Baker, Intentional Community Cooperative. Okay. You know it. Uh, Linda Leakes has been on yep. the program. Mm-hmm. Linda Hep started that. There's another lady, and I just lost her name. Parisa Naruzzi no. in Power DC. So um, I know it, but most of the people, in order to be there, have to be community activists. Yes. That's the intentional yes. community part of it, which right. that's one of the reasons I like it. No, I remember when they started. You um, yeah, when they when they first went there and so forth. So, yeah, it's a great co-op. I live in a 50 seven unit co-op in Northeast DC and the, it's not, it's a market rate co-op too, but the prices are lower because most people don't know about co-op. We're right across the street from the Benny road Metro. It's a gated community. Everybody has a balcony off street parking and it's very reasonable. Now we get a lot of people coming and saying, but there are no vacancies. (laughs) Okay. They don't come that, that often. So you have any other examples of, Loans that you all have uh, made, or oh, I, I do want to talk about one more, and I I don't want to beat the beat the the food thing over the head here, but uh, at Cincinnati, Ohio, we just um, worked on a deal with the Clinton Cooperative Market, and it basically just like in Greensboro, there was a vacancy, and there was a Keller's um, IGA that was there, you know, twenty nine hundred square feet store that had left, and so the community. And, and let me define community for you in this. This, this is not just a band of residents of the area. This is, this, this is business owners. It's, it's, it's res, residents of the area. It's consultants. It's, it's the philanthropic community. Foundations all came together to start this consumer-owned cooperative business. And so, again, you know, when you look at the, the, the varied list of, you know, foundations, residents, business owners, and others, you know, it definitely plays right into the whole democratic governance piece as it relates to co-op. You know, we have a, a, a footprint, Ohio, from the standpoint of we have some, some branches there in uh, in Hillsboro, Ohio. And so 
it's just another opportunity, I think, for us to really highlight uh, the work that's being done, number one. Number two, about how I think what makes that deal so great is that it's varied. It's not just, you know, a thousand residents like it is in the Renaissance. It's a it's a uh, a different mixture of people. I went to the Federation of Southern Co-ops um, meeting about a month and a half ago, yes. and I met a lady. I met quite a few people there. Matter of yeah. fact, you were there. Yeah, yeah you I was there. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I met one lady, Irma, Irma Wilburn, mm-hmm. and she and nine other women are starting a bakery co-op right now, wow. a worker-owned bakery co-op. And it's phenomenal. I'm I'm sort of consulting, pro bono with consulting with them to do the business side. Right. And a little bit of knowledge on the cooperative side, the ownership side, but she's looking I'm trying to get her some lawyers and some other people to know how to how to do the uh, ownership structure, legal structure part of that. But if more, I'm helping them with the business plan and it's exciting. It's also exciting that to to talk to the this everyday people, man. Yes, that's it. That's, that's what, it. That's it. That, that was a, that actually it was great seeing you in Birmingham. It actually was a was a great event, and I would ask anybody, and I, and I do understand that Cornelius Blanding was on the show uh, not so long ago, uh, a new uh, leader of the Federation there, and I would definitely ask anyone who wants to know more about the work of the Federation to, to Google uh, Federation of Southern Cooperatives. I mean, they're doing great work, but like you said, this bakery co-op, mm-hmm. I mean, it's um, a situation where you're looking at a bakery. It's not. It's not some large housing unit. It's not a grocery store. It's not a childcare co-op. It's not a worker. And you're starting to see more and more. I will. I will admit that one of the things that I really need to upskill myself on are the worker co-ops because I think you're seeing more and more um, of these popping up, especially with the millennials and others. Uh, it's really starting to attract the attention of a lot of a younger set of folks. And so that's a keep me, keep me posted on that one because I definitely want to hear more about well, that. The Occupy Wall Streeters after the 2008, 2009 downturn, they're looking for something else. And this co-op is it when you talk about the millenniums and we talk about the younger people saying, we just don't want to do it the way our fathers and grandfathers did it. So here's this co-op has been around a long time, uh, this co-op model and, and getting people to understand it. And then like what they're doing, they're talking about a four county area. And when I had, uh, I had Irma on last week oh, okay. and she was saying that they're the fourth poorest county in the U S Yeah. so you're talking about, okay, how do you, how do you attract jobs to a poor community? Normally yeah. people will look at the automobile companies or bringing in this big manufacturing concern, but what we're you and I are doing is right. trying to get people to understand you can do it yourself. Yes, you don't you have can. to go out and get somebody to come in, yeah. figure out what, what's the needs in your community, get three or four, five, ten people together and say, let's create this business and we'll own it, we'll run it, we'll operate it. Now, it does take some time, I'm finding out, John, to right. go from an employee to get this attitudinal change and this knowledge from an employee to an owner. Mm-hmm. Which means, like, I own my business. I, it's not an eight to five. It's not a nine to five to me. No. Well, and also, too, the good thing about it is that you're there to help them with the business plan. Yeah. To help them with the financial side of it because that's probably not their strongest, you know, thing right now. No. But, but it will be. It will be. Once, once the educational piece comes in there from you. And what I've also noticed with this education, which is my, the fifth principle is my, my main one. Yours is the seventh. Okay, mm-hmm. I got that. But is when I've gone to these conventions, whether it's Federation or the National Association of Housing Co-ops, any of these organizations, giving information is fun. It's exciting. Nobody holds back anything. Yeah. 
You know, everybody wants to make sure that you can be successful, that your knowledge that you need, you can get. If somebody has a problem, I've seen presidents of housing co-ops come together and talk to other presidents and say, okay, this is the problem I have. And they say, okay, here's how I solved it. This is what I did. You don't don't see much uh, territorial attitude in the cooperative community. And I think it's, you know, everyone's everyone's here to help each other. And I think it's very important. You know, um, helping each other, cooperation among cooperatives is also one of my favorite ones. And you were talking about this in the examples, particularly Renaissance Center, that how people are coming together to help each other grow this thing. I really want to go to Greensboro to see that, but I want to go everywhere these days. Yeah, everywhere to see all these great <laughs> cooperatives across the country. But, you know, I mean, like I said, it's the combination of, you know, a concerned uh, community, uh, self help credit union came in and became the developer, essentially buying the building just to ensure that some market rate or some other business didn't come in there and and take that store. And then uh, North Country being a a cooperative that specializes in working with, uh, I'm sorry, a a community development financial institution that specializes in working with cooperative housing and cooperative businesses brought their expertise in as well. Time's up. (laughs) Any last comment? I just want to say thank you. I mean, again, uh, we're proud sponsors of the show. And in this co-op month, we, and I personally hope that uh, folks do what they can in October to learn more about cooperatives and how they impact uh, their community, many of whom are already cooperative uh, members and don't even know it. So thank you so much for the time today and having Thanks me. Thanks for coming up, John. Go to ncb.coop to get information. If you want Federation of Southern Co-ops, go to federation.coop and get information about that. You can look up U.S. Federation of Southern Cooperatives. Uh, and there's all, all kinds of ways of looking at credit unions and how they work. Thanks for being on We'll be back next Thursday. And by the way, this is our second anniversary. This is uh, just beginning our third year. We've been on two years now. Happy anniversary. Thank you, everybody. We'll look forward to talking to you next Thursday. 1450 WOL. News updates on the web at WOLDCnews.com.